are listening to Weird, Obscure, Impossibly Unsafe. Hello, listeners, and hello, my dear co-hosts, and uh, my wife, and my friend. Hello. Well, I don't really have a bit, so. I have a question. I don't know if this will count as the bit. Do you guys ever watch Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that episode where um, everyone gets turned into dogs? Yeah, (laughs) actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've been watching it recently on Hulu, and I just love when the professor turns into a dog, and all he says is, like his his bark is like his voice just saying the word bow bow wow wow, bow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend you go back and watch some powerpuff girls awesome yeah that's i awesome. feel like we need to now oh man that's how we should open this episode just all of us just saying bow bow wow wow bow wow wow <laughs> well, i think for all intents and purposes we've done that i i guess so yeah <laughs> well um, there's the bit. There's the bit. Thanks, <laughs> Melissa. You're welcome. You really saved us. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to talk about why Melissa's voice sounds so bad today. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. It's not you, Melissa. It's it's Slender Man. It's Slendy. <laughs> it's a combination of different malevolent forces that are seeking to interfere with our very important work and the retrograde motion apparent for example it's father's day already (laughs) off to a bad start (laughs) (laughs) um also i'm calling in because my internet's bad so we're using my phone so that's kind of why my audio sucks (laughs) awesome (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah well it'll be fine it'll it'll be good we managed to resolve issues through advanced problem-solving skills. Uh, <laughs> Highly <your> advanced. <laughs> yes, I'm just reading my resume right now. <laughs> Highly civilized <Problem-solving>. civilizations. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got it to work. I think everybody's bandwidth is is a little lower with, you know. Well, you have a house full of people over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lots of but people. even without that, it's still, it's it's iffy. Yeah, mm. so, but we got around it. It only took about 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, isn't bad. We did and it. And we're all, we're all like humanities people. We're not STEM people, you know, so we can be forgiven yeah. a few extra minutes yeah. to figure out the grammar. Are you saying, like, science people <laughs> are just more timely? <laughs> No, I'm saying they know technology because science, uh, technology, engineering, mathematics. Although, gotcha. Melissa, I don't know how much of an excuse we have with our... Oh, yeah, you guys worked at a help uh, technology help desk. Yeah. <laughs> Without any knowledge of technology. That's why they were making fun of me earlier because I was Googling Google. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I've had a couple of callers who have done that before. <laughs> How do you get to Google? How do you get to Google? 
<laughs> yeah, I've had those. I'm just seeing uh, the MSN news. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about that one priest? Is that who you're referencing? <laughs> I don't know if it was, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, there were there were a couple people I think that um, asked me that question. So, all right. So today is going to be different for a variety of reasons. One, we had to overcome some extra obstacles technologically. Um, so Melissa might sound like she's speaking out of a tin can, but her words are going to be very interesting. <laughs> I hope no, so. I'm just I'm just kidding, Melissa. You don't sound bad. Plethora. Plethora. <laughs> saying interesting words. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is that in? Um, what is it? I think it's the Three Amigos when he's like a plethora. Yes, he's like <laughs> that is from Three Amigos. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> yes. You keep using that word, but you don't know what it means. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so one, there's that. Two, uh, we're try we're experimenting with a new uh, format of the show. Thank you, format of the show, which means that we also will not be playing our trivia game that we played once. But we'll pick <laughs> we'll pick that up we'll pick that up again whenever we are uh, if we and if and when we revert back to the. Uh, OG format. I'm first really struggling for material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, Melissa, what the hell are we doing? We're talking about Slenderman today. We're talking about uh, a couple different parts of Slenderman. Wait, um, wait, We've wait, all wait. done research about him in general, um, but we're each bringing some specific information. So, you're telling me that we're all three of us are doing the same story? Yes. Wild. Unprecedented. So yeah, so hopefully we get like a shorter episode out of this. <laughs> a shorter, a a shorter episode with more information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're always kind of like shrugging and be like, hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah, three hours later, we're like halfway through. You know? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that would probably be my fault. Yeah, so we're just kind of experimenting with this. So let us know how you like it. Um, We'd love to get comments about, you know, which format you guys like as listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important for how we might proceed uh, in future episodes. And part of this is a is an experiment, I think, to warm up for how we're going to be doing guest episodes. Ooh, yeah. Which are going to start very soon. Yes. We're going to have Justin Lore co-host of horror business contributor actually author of the justin this justin column at cinepunks.com and uh paranormal enthusiast on the show i'm excited that will be fun to have a guest yeah mm -hmm. and so this is a warm-up because when guests come on we're not going to do four stories that would be we're just gonna overwhelming we're gonna let their interests sort of ground the conversation and so this is this is a little practice run for that yes so this is cool. like how we're gonna be doing guest episodes but without any guests right well i guess slender man's our guest 
today. Slenderman is our guest. He's already made his presence known. <laughs> I was taking a walk in the woods yesterday and it got really close to night. Um, I was with my family, so it wasn't like that scary, but it was still like, you know, looking out in the woods, I could see how someone might see Slenderman, you know? He's so yeah. skinny and tall and he looks like a tree. And I was like, maybe I'll see him out here. Maybe. Well, now that we've done so much research, you know, yeah, that's uh, he's not, on the mind. He's on the mind, also, <laughs> and we're on his de- mind. Depending, yeah, depending <laughs> on what theory of Slenderman you hold, it could actually attract his attention. Exactly. <gasps> oh well, let's learn more about Slenderman, Jake. Will you uh, start us off? <laughs> let's do it. Sound effect. <laughs> Who or what is Slenderman? I guess we should be calling them a slender person why is it always a man i don't know i think because it doesn't have a face you've got a point how is it a man yeah and like men don't have tendrils coming out of their back (laughs) are you sure (laughs) (laughs) in my experience my sources are KnowYourMeme.com, Wikipedia, The Washington Post, and the Slenderman Connection fandom, as well as the Slenderman.fandom. So, Slenderman is a mythical creature created by Eric Knudsen, uh, whose pseudonym is also Victor Surge. That's his online name? Yeah, that was the screen name I think they used to for the original post. Which, I mean, we'll go into this more later, but it was it was essentially like a Photoshop contest to see who could make like the creepiest paranormal photo or whatever. And so this screen name Victor Surge uploaded Slenderman on somethingawful.com. But very quickly the story and the myth took a life of its own. Slenderman is often depicted as a tall, thin man wearing a black suit and having a blank face. According to the legend, Slenderman can lengthen his arms at will, kind of like Mr. Fantastic. Whoa. Yeah, I was going to say like that stretchy guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he has tentacle-like appendages, also known as tentacles, that can protrude from his back. They also might be, like, wispy, like, not-quite-solid, like, plasma-like tendrils as well, I've seen. Um, I like to think that when I'm playing my warlock character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and I cast Arms of Hadar, which... Uh, uses a sort of um, tendrils and tentacles from an otherworldly realm to to inflict necrotic damage on those surrounding me. I like to think that it's a very slender man-like phenomenon. Sounds like it. Depending on the interpretation, slender man can cause memory loss, insomnia, paranoia, coughing fits, also called slender sickness, and videos or photographs of Slenderman will often be distorted. Also, he can teleport. Oh. Can I add something real quick? Sure. Um, and, you know, we'll be talking about this a little bit more later, but 
uh, Slender Man can also cause audio or visual distortions um, with as he comes near with his presence, like a sign of his presence, I guess, in the particular area. So that's why I think we were having our technical issues. Whoa. <laughs> but that's really, a, I think you're right, Anna Marie. Yeah. It's all coming together. And I did see, I was very confused. I'm glad you explained the slender sickness because I was very confused and I was watching a video of like this boy who's like, I'm going to, I'm going to puke. And then yeah. the other girl is like doing cartwheels. And yes. then she's like, I just need to do 10 more cartwheels. And then he's like, but I'm going to throw up. You'd oh, think yeah. you'd just yeah, stop recording. But he just is like coughing and, and then they see Slenderman. Um, I just thought that one was really silly. But yeah. That was that was on the documentary, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, gave that I didn't know what was going on, but I'm glad you explained that he can make you feel yeah. sick. The character has grown in popularity and taken on various incarnations including but not limited to the operator der grossman mr slim the administrator daddy long legs <laughs> mr thin the tall man the thin man and slendy i like slendy i also like mr thin yeah <laughs> i like Der Grossmann. Yeah. Like Is that the that. German version? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Slim, like a Slim Jim. Mr. Slim, Slim Jim. Do you just like keep riffing on that? Slimdy and... Jimdy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a big fan of Daddy Long Legs. That one's good too. So. Makes him sound like a, like a daddy, Slender Man. <laughs> daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Zaddy Zad Long Legs. No. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So we'll anyway, that later. anyways, sometimes he kills and disembowels his victims. Oh, wow. <laughs> just jump right <laughs> so in. I'm just going to take that turn. We need, to stop, we need to stop making light of this here. Sometimes he kills his victims before disemboweling them and bagging their organs. And in some cases, putting the bagged organs back in the corpse. Other times, Slenderman causes his victims to kill each other. Slenderman is not of this world and has very opaque motivations or motives, um, which is a very sort of like Lovecraftian quality. Hmm. So no one knows what he's doing or why. Yeah, Right. exactly. Gotcha. Often his appearance is different depending on what viewers see or what their fears are. So he manifests differently in different situations. And he lives in the woods and kidnaps children. Uh, especially early stories featured him targeting children or young people. So here are just a few things that Slender Man can allegedly do depending on the uh, particular story or take or spin on Slender Man that you're reading. Okay, one, Slender Walking. Slender Walking, allow, and when I heard this, I was just thinking of Slender Man like moonwalking. <laughs> But like really long legs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone has created a video of that. Surely, <laughs> surely. Slender walking 
allows him to appear and disappear at will, kind of like teleportation. He can also camouflage himself. So the most well-known camouflage that he uses is a contemporary suit-wearing tall man. So he looks like a faceless businessman, essentially. Nothing scarier than business. Yeah. (laughs) White (laughs) businessmen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, In the early uh, iterations of Slenderman, he appeared to have a face, but it did not appear on film. So the suggestion would be that he sort of uses some sort of psychical or interdimensional ability to manifest a face to people, even though it's actually not there. So in some pictures of Slenderman uh, in a forest, like you were saying earlier, he can easily blend in with the trees. And sometimes his tentacles look like branches. Whoa. That's got to be deceiving to the eye. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So he also can control minds. It's not exactly detailed what the extent of this is or how this works, but it appears whenever this, this, um, this power is sort of appears whenever writers will talk about proxies, which is a term coined by dark harvest zero zero. The proxies are basically people who work on behalf of slender man and slender man controls their thoughts, feelings, and actions proxies might have partial free will and they might not even know that they're being controlled but essentially they are doing slender man's bidding and like some people say that proxies work as like kind of a collective hive mind or something i didn't look at the primary sources on like i didn't read these particular stories um Mm -hmm. but i'm just getting most of this from from the uh, fandom page. So why would you want to serve Slenderman? Well, I don't know. I'm just curious. I don't know. I mean, I is think, there a reason well, you'd think, want to I mean, become a proxy? So we're we're going to get more into this, but I think Slenderman. So in the in the, I think he has both a menacing but also comforting presence, and can be seen like both kid like either kidnapping children or like protecting them Mm. so like there's this weird ambivalence in slender man that like we'll get into but there i think a lot of people do actually feel an affinity for him right like slender man can offer them something that they may not feel that is like fulfilled in their lives so and that's that's something that is appealing to like kids or young people at least in the stories that like I, I read through. There's also a not insignificant amount of Slenderman erotica. <laughs> wow, I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad that exists. Oh, don't worry. We'll go down it. <laughs> Today. <laughs> um, okay. Another thing you can do is impersonations. <laughs> Party tricks too. Yeah, exactly. He does he does a really good Elvis. <laughs> now he actually though he he is said to be able to impersonate or mimic people in order mm-hmm. to gain the trust of a victim or and this is I'm sorry, this is extremely creepy. He will mimic voices to lure children 
out of safe places, especially mimicking a child's giggle. Uh-huh. I know. Get out of here. Um, you just hear a child giggling in the woods and it's like, you just got to go find out what's so yeah. funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's that Elvis impression. <laughs> that is really terrifying. Though, I, like I think. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a quick question. Um, I know that you had mentioned uh, Der Grossmann or whatever. I'm, my mm. German's not good. Um, <laughs> Der Grossmann. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't uh, good. It's just angrier. <laughs> did you read any of the background story on that? No. Oh, okay. No, I did the minimum for that. Okay. okay. Well, on the, um, the Something Awful thread after the initial posts were created, a lot of users kind of... and. I'll talk a little bit more about this in detail later, but a lot of other users were just so into it that they wanted to contribute to the the mythos in some way. And one of those stories was Der Grossman or whatever, a story of that creature mimicking a child's mother and basically really aggressively telling her to do very violent, bad things that creature used that like imitation or mimicry to uh almost like not like as a form of mind control but as a form of manipulation right so that was interesting kind of goes back to one of one of those earlier stories that is cool he also has tentacles slash tendrils i don't know if i would call this an ability as much as a feature but whatever some people say that Slenderman's human-like appearance disintegrates when his tendrils come out, which is kind of yeah. a scary thought. So he like morphs more into like a creep. I don't know. Hmm. So it sounds like when he, he, you know, he whips out the tentacles, he just can't keep the. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when he whips out when he whips out the tentacles, it sounds like he can't keep the facade anymore that he's a human. Right, he just right. goes all out slender. <laughs> all out slender. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, slender gone wild. <laughs> you don't have to keep that in there. I don't like this don't anymore. All right, we're laughing a lot, but this actually sounds so scary. And I yeah. remember being like fourth or fifth grade. Like, I don't even know how old I was. But just like knowing about Slenderman and being pretty freaked out by the idea. All this was very terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Slenderman overall is a very scary thought or creature. Yeah. We'll get into the relationship between thoughts and his creaturehood soon, mm. too. Uh, good good callback to episode one. Yeah. Oh, lots of callbacks to episode one today. Um, an- another uh, ability, he is able to choose who sees him and who doesn't. And often cameras, like I said, can pick them up, but it will cause distortions. Uh, he can also, in some accounts, has pyrokinesis and telekinesis, just meaning he can move and create fire with his mind and he can move objects around with his mind. Uh, another big thing that he does a lot, which I'm not going to go too much into because it's kind of grody, but he loves to mutilate people. So a lot of times people will be impaled on limbs of trees like way far 
above the ground. Um, and their organs will be like removed and replaced. Ugh. Yeah. That really creeps me out. That weirds me out in a bad way. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. That is um, weird. And he also uh, sometimes kills and mutilates animals. Usually cats, but occasionally dogs. Oh, no. I don't know. It, it's unknown how he, what he uses to mutilate people. He can also engage in virokinesis, which is what we were calling slender sickness. He causes mm. coughing, bleeding from the various orifices like your mouth, your nose, your eyes, vomiting, disorientation, potential blackouts, fevers. And some people think, some people think this is a form of radiation poisoning. So that Slenderman might actually have like radioactive qualities and that might be responsible for causing people to feel a little woozy, to say the least. Whoa. All right. He can also control the weather and control the length of the day. He is really controlling everything in our lives. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he, I think, I think one of the scary things is if you see him during the day, he can accelerate the day cycle and make it become night really fast. Oh, that gave me chills. I don't like that. Yeah. So like you, you could see him and then it could turn into night and then you'd suddenly be trapped out in the woods at night with Slender Man. Oh my God. Oh. Doesn't that suck? That's terrifying. <laughs> yes, that does suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, he also has a sense of when his victims are near. So, you know. It sounds like he's like a god or something. He's all knowing. He can change the elements uh, and he can control people and like what happens to them. Well, there are various ideas about what his nature might be that we will get to i'll give you a couple options here at the end of my little spiel but okay. first i want to talk about precursors to slender man where did eric nudson get the idea for this guy well nudson according to wikipedia was inspired to create the slender man primarily by zach parsons that insidious beast stephen king's the mist Reports of Shadow People, which we'll get into next time. Shout out to episode nine. Mothman, which we'll get to eventually. And the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, which I had never heard. Mattoon, I don't know. I've never heard about that. Other possible inspirations were the tall man from the 1979 film Phantasm. H.P. Lovecraft's work. The work of William S. Burroughs and the video games Silent Hill and Resident Evil. According to Nudson, Slenderman has uh, motivations that can barely be comprehended, which causes unease and terror in a general population. So very similar to sort of the inscrutability of Cthulhu or like the Elder Ones or something in Lovecraft's fiction, where it's like terrifying exactly because we like can't understand it. Mm In the myth itself, Slenderman has many possible origins. Germany's Black Forest, ancient Egypt, even cave paintings in Brazil are said to be somehow indicative of Slenderman. Um, And what's very interesting about that is like even within the mythos itself, his origins are misty. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that also like creates more uncertainty that I think is interesting. The creation of Slenderman may also have been inspired by uh, an adventure game called the Chizo Mythos published by Ben Yahtzee Croshaw in 2003. Kabadoth, one of the antagonists, is sometimes referred to in this video game as the Tall Man. And he's portrayed as a tall, thin man dressed in long, black, high-collared coat with long tails and having, you guessed it, a blank face. Mm. Another possible precursor is Der Grossmann. Pronounced, according to Wikipedia, as Grossmann, which is not right. I know that's not right. Which is, it's German for the great man or can often be called the tall man. So it's basically the German equivalent of a tall boogeyman, Hmm. which has been around since the 16th century and introduced to the mythos as a possible point of origin for Slender Man. Now, one of the things that came up in the documentary, Beware the Slender Man, was the sort of parallels between the Slender Man story and the old story of the Pied Piper, which I had never actually heard the actual story of the Pied Piper before. And it it's like, kind of terrifying. It kind yeah. of freaked me out a little bit. Yes. So the, and, it, and it also like feels very much like a German fairy tale. <laughs> I know, it really does. <laughs> Meets expectations. <Yeah. laughs> the Pied Piper in the 13th century uh, well, the, the story of the Pied Piper is that in the 13th century, a German town infested with rats hired a man with a magic pipe called the Pied Piper to lure the rats out of the town. So the Pied Piper played his little flute and walked around and all the rats followed him and he, and he led them out of the town and they stopped bothering the town. But when the mayor refused to pay the Pied Piper, the Piper then used the pipe to lead the children out of the town and all the children followed him and he went he took them into a cave which sealed up behind them and they were never seen again. Like oh. what? <laughs> what? Guess, uh, what's the moral there? I mean, all those, those old German, you know, fairy tales always have like a, and always, you know, always pay your bills. Always, always pay your piper. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's really the only moral I can <laughs> think of but, yeah but still there must be a better way to get that uh <laughs> that story across but yeah, i just gotta so say scary. it's it's very terrifying to watch this weird so in the documentary it's like this weird claymation depiction of it that's like kind of dreamy and surreal and like disorienting and like just creepy and when yes. they walk into that cave and that cave closes and you're just oh. like and they're like and the children were never seen again you're just like this is demonic. What happened to the children? Well, I don't mean to yeah. go all Nancy Grace. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, it feels like, I don't know. It feels so predatory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Which is one of the things that comes up again and again in the Slender Man thing is, like, it just feels very predatory mm -hmm. toward children. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so moving on. Other pre-existing fic fictional characters uh, that preceded the Slender Man were the Gentleman in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
Oh, yeah. You guys see that episode? No, no, we don't watch it. Or at least I don't watch Buffy, but I knew you would have something to say. So please tell us about it. So if I remember correctly, the Gentleman episode um, is the one where everyone's not able to um, speak. Is that, do, am I remembering that correctly? No one's able to speak. And then the gentlemen kind of play this tune and um, they're trying to like go and kill people and take out the hearts of someone each night. Um, and they're trying to get these organs for some reason, but it's like really creepy dream sequency type of episode. Um, and they are dressed in suits. They kind of like float around everywhere and um, they have white faces too. And like these bald heads and these like really terrifying teeth and eyes. Um, and they just like go get people and they're just taking organs right out of them. And oh. um that sounds yeah. very similar to yeah. what's going on here. I have to say too, um, Slenderman kind of reminds me of the silence from Doctor Who. I don't know if either of you watch Doctor Who at all. No, I, I'm not a nerd. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, honestly, I'm like I've only seen like i don't know how many episodes they were in and i don't really remember it's been a couple of years since i've seen it but just like the way that they look they're dressed in in black suits they have like very pale faces they do have eyes but their mouths are um just like skin so they, they can't they don't speak um but that's all i really remember but this the look of them is very similar to to slender man hmm. that was interesting one last thing other thing in addition to all of these other ones is the question a comic book superhero from dc the uh not quite as good comic book company you can't blame them they're not terrible but they're always trying to catch up you know to where marvel is the question who is a superhero with a blank face whose secret identity is Wait for it. Victor Sage. Oh, oh interesting. So, His name is Victor Sage, and Eric Knudsen's screen name is Victor Surge. Oh. Wait, what? 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 You think no, it's all connected. Damn. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, that's definitely the, the most intrigue you're going to get in my part. <laughs> Um, very intriguing very so very like the lore doesn't ever really specify what slender man is but there's a couple of theories and i'll outline two one is that slender man is a fairy or a member of the fae why what are some things that fairies do that slender man also does they kidnap children Oh, I, sorry. I didn't know if you were asking us. <laughs> no, it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> okay. They they kidnap children. They appear differently to different people. They tend to have many names. They disguise themselves as other things using fairy glamour. Ooh. For example, Kelpies typically disguise themselves as horses. Throwback. Mm. What? What episode was that on? I think two. Two, I think. Yeah. Throw Who knows anymore? <laughs> We're only on episode eight. So <laughs> I can't even remember what we've done. 
in some cases they eat people like like kelpies again uh they sometimes cause disease to people who they encounter um they are capable of changing their form they put people in a trance or put people under mind control they make themselves visible only to certain people and they apparently teleport and they trick humans into trusting them before leading them into some sort of trap. So as you can see, Slenderman has a lot of the same qualities as some of those fairy folk. So Slenderman appeared to have a face in the original mythos, but it never appeared on film. And so one of the theories is that the face that he sort of put on was a result of using a fairy glamour which is an illusion that fairies can use that only appears to the human eye, but not on the camera. So yeah, some, yeah. So some claim that Slenderman is a fairy. I think that's a really cool theory. I didn't really think about it that way, but I guess that's true. Like the way he is like kind of like alluring children specifically, and also like kind of punishing people what you know i feel like fairies are often like punishing someone for doing something um that they shouldn't be doing you know what i mean yeah yeah and i think a lot of the previous influences that uh, eric Knudsen seemed to draw on were very like fairy-ish entities yeah. and that they were yeah. sort of like mysterious their motivations weren't unclear they seemed to be mischievous they um were deceptive you know and and tended to trick you and all that. Mm -hmm. Another theory is that Slenderman is an interdimensional being, <gasps> particularly in the fourth dimension, which don't, I don't know what that exactly means, but, <laughs> but it means something. <laughs> the point is Slenderman is able to utilize a dimension beyond ours which gives him the appearance of teleporting. So the slender walking we were talking about what? is sort of like slipping in and out of a higher dimension. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So people think that he is a, like a extra dimensional or interdimensional being that interacts with our plane, but like is capable of utilizing and manipulating other aspects of existence that we don't have access to as, uh, being humans as human mm -hmm. beings stuck in this in this dimension 3d world stuck in this 3d world <laughs> see i always thought 4d was when uh when you saw a movie at like a theme park and they had like smells and splash water at you and stuff yeah so i saw a spongebob like, one oh. once <laughs> we saw a goose we saw a goosebumps 4d Ooh, one time. That it was fun. like a lighthouse thing i never saw any 4d things oh I can imagine it. Well, one <laughs> part of the SpongeBob like... one that was pretty. <laughs> what? I just said, I was just in my room as like a child, just pretending that I was like, you know, at like a ocean one and like splashing water on myself. And, <laughs> you know, that could be good. I mean, like, Not if you have problem. someone there to get the smells, to get like the interaction, you can make it work. I know the SpongeBob one specifically, like, 
some there was some pickle thing that happened and so like they sprayed pickle scent into the theater <laughs> oh. and it was not a good <laughs> fake pickle smell is not a good smell <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> oh. that's disgusting <laughs> Uh, so those are those are the notes that I have prepared to contribute to this uh, to this episode, and I I yield my time. Great. <laughs> um, thank you. That I feel like I didn't know all that backstory behind like who made him and like what influenced it, and I feel like it puts it in a good context for what we're about to hear from yeah. Anna Marie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. So I am very excited to talk about uh, the original post um, where you can find Slenderman and how it um, really s- <laughs> stretched and extended its tendrils out into the world. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> but uh, I will say That's I'm... Good, <laughs> um, I learned from the best. <laughs> I I will apologize for... I feel like I kept like interjecting during your story, Jake, and I was like, oh, well, we'll talk more about that or that's that's to come. But it's just because I'm so, so excited to talk about this stuff. It's... <laughs> It's it's entire it's a it's a world of its own. Um, you know the Slenderman stuff. So, the Slenderverse, as it's called. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a name for it. Um, so my sources were uh, Wikipedia, um, an article called "The Complete History of Slenderman" um, in the Washington Post, written by Caitlin Dewey, various Slenderman articles from Fandom.com, the Something Awful website. And an article from Wired.com called Inside the Pancake and Pony-Filled Internet Folklore of Slenderman, written by Nicole Kobe. (laughs) So that will give a little bit of insight (laughs) to where this is leading. Pancakes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the original Slenderman photos were posted on June 10th, 2009 by user Victor Surge, whose real name is Eric Knudsen, as Jake mentioned, um, on the website Something Awful. And... For those who don't know, I know I didn't really know anything about it before I started doing research, but Something Awful is a comedy website that has like a bunch of blog entries, forums, articles, digitally edited pictures, stuff like that. I didn't go too deeply into the website. Maybe that's a good thing. I'm not really sure. But uh, so basically the thread where the first Slenderman pictures appeared were part of a contest to create really creepy paranormal images using Photoshop. So Victor Surge contributed two black and white photos of groups of children. um, And in them, he added an image of a tall, thin figure wearing a black suit and with extending tentacles. And Surge also included text to accompany the photos describing witness accounts of child abductions and calling the figure in the back Slenderman. Have both of you seen the pictures, the original photos? Yes. Yes. Okay. But I would love to look at them again. Okay. Well, they're on the Google Drive. Um, okay. So, the Yo, that boy looks like a punk. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't see Slenderman. Well, so 
let me uh just let me sorry. do that's okay sorry. i'm just going to describe the photo real quick um so the photo is basically what looks like a line or a group of children walking towards the photographer and you can see very faintly in the back just like a half shadowed creature standing behind them and like i said the photos are in black and white so it can be a little bit difficult to see the slender man figure in the background but um, below this picture was text that said, we didn't want to go, we didn't want to kill them, but its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. I think for me, what's creepiest about this photo is that like there are a bunch of kids looking at the photographer and like kind of like a little nervously like talking to each other and it's very creepy. It's you an know. unnerving photo, just because, like, they don't look very happy. They also look a little, the kids look a little bit like they're conspiring or something. Yeah. The way or, those two in the middle are, like, whispering. Yeah, or concerned about, like, what's this guy, where's this guy leading us? Where is this, like, what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the creepiest part is that in the text saying, like, it's terrifying and comforting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, admitting that, like this really dark presence like there's something alluring about it too right it just feels so like predatory and manipulative yes yeah for sure okay and then there's the second photo uh, which is also in the drive okay so then um oh whoa that one's scary (laughs) yeah so in the second photo you see up front uh, a little girl climbing the stairs of a slide Um, She's looking at the camera. She's smiling. All these kids are playing in like a playground. And then in the back, really all you see is a silhouette of a giant figure with tentacles um, with kids sitting all around it um, Mm -hmm. under the shadow of a tree. And the quote that was beneath this photo said, one of two recovered photos from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13, 1986. So... What, to me, was creepy about this photo, I mean, there are lots of creepy things about it, but, like, that this photo was taken days before a tragedy. Yeah. They have a library burning? Yeah. So that might have something to do with the supposed pyrokinesis Mm -hmm. of Slendy Boy. Yeah. I think so. I think something that's also pretty creepy about this is it's, like, going for a pretty realistic vibe and and i think like the quality of the photo um is part of that too the fact that like you can't really see him in either one that clearly but that just lets your imagination fill in the gaps of like what's really going on i don't know i think that's so creepy and like the less it's showing the more scary i personally think these photos are yes i i agree and that's something that um a lot of users on something awful in that thread kept referring to that same exact fear and that's what really gripped them was that nothing was really known about slender man or this figure it was so 
it was so vague and you could really use your imagination to kind of fill in the blanks. And to me, I know that I tend to be pretty attracted to that type of horror where not, not too much is really revealed. And it kind of plays off this really uh, like primal fear of just the unknown and uncertainty. Um, and I know that, like I said, a lot of the users um, on Something Awful were attracted to that as well. Um, so yeah, so the the first instances of like the expanding of the mythos appeared on the Something Awful thread after users just like really ate it up and they were like, this is great. We need to kind of keep this going. Um, and they really wanted to play along. So some of the, the, the posts in this thread include the story that I mentioned earlier, Jake, when you were talking about Dear Grossman. <laughs> um, Dear Grossman. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it was, the story was added by um, a forum user who created like a folklore story set in 16th century Germany. And so this was one piece. Some other users, users posted like fictional newspaper stories. A lot of them reminded me of like the 411 missing persons cases where people would just kind of like be hunting in the woods and they would stumble upon these bodies that had gone missing like years earlier. And there was one about like hunters finding a body stuffed with plastic bags in a really? tree. Yeah, it was really, it's really creepy. And if you're curious and reading more of those, there are a bunch of them on the Something Awful thread. I recommend it. It like, <laughs> it made me feel really um, unsettled <laughs> to say the least. And this really reminds me of, um, I don't know how much time you guys spent on Reddit, but I, the only thread that I really got into was, or the sub page or whatever, is the No Sleep Reddit page, mm -hmm. um, where originally the premise of the website is post your true scary stories there. Yeah. Um, and eventually it kind of became like where fiction, well-written horror is um, posted, but so many stories there, like especially the ones that were just maybe just vague enough, like they didn't explain themselves too much. And the fact that it's posted by like some person out there and you can't necessarily verify it or not just made it even more creepy. And I know some of them have like blown up to become bigger things. And yeah, I don't know, just really reminded me of that, like stumbling upon something on the internet and you have no idea what you're reading and it's just really scary. Right. And it's so easy to believe someone is telling this first person encounter that they had with this strange uh unknown creature or figure or entity or whatever and when someone i feel like when someone tells it from like a first person perspective a lot is missing because they're like in the moment they're scared and like you just get a glimpse of what they may have encountered and that makes it horrifying yeah yes. i mean like the first person perspective is so limited but that's exactly why like in horror movies when you when like what the camera doesn't see is what makes it really mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And in Lovecraft too, based, I don't know if he only wrote in first person, but at least the majority that I've read have been in first, like first person accounts. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting part of that. So in the something awful thread, um, you know, Serge talks a little bit about what inspired Slender Man and people were asking if this was something that he just kind of came up with from scratch and, 
he said yeah basically and then also listed some of the um the inspirations that that jake had listed off earlier and yeah people seem to think that it just really it really worked so another uh user on something awful on that thread also said that like in the the further creation of the mythos they were saying like oh you should also just kind of keep it as these like 21st century sightings or 20th century sightings so that like it feels like this modern thing and it adds to the creepy element like it doesn't have this long history we can't trace back an origins like this thing mm-hmm. just kind of popped up out of nowhere yeah. and i also thought that that was very highly effective um yeah and interesting so yeah so slenderman went viral very quickly uh inspiring num- numerous works of fan art cosplay creepy pastas no sleep well, i don't know if it was on no sleep specifically but it was part of creepy pasta and for those who don't know about creepy pastas they're just short horror stories that are easily copyable and can be pasted from site to site so very similar to what you were talking about with no sleep melissa Okay, so then also the first video capturing Slenderman came from a post from another user on the the same Something Awful thread about a fictional film student named Alex Crayley who captures something weird and creepy when shooting his first feature-length project called Marble Hornets. So this ended up turning into a pretty popular YouTube channel and series. Uh, It has like very much a found footage like similar to Blair Witch kind of vibe. It describes experiences with Slender Man or like captures experiences with Slender Man. Um, it also, uh, maybe Jake and I have come across conflicting uh, <laughs> sources or material, um, but I read that this, that Marble Hornets establishes the, the idea of proxies first. Although it seems like it might have been a, a different like take on proxies like this is like slender man basically drives people insane rather than mm. like use it, using them as a puppet for example which it sounded like what you were describing jake is that slender man uses people as puppets yeah they're just i mean like i said i did the minimum work <laughs> for this episode so i didn't look at the primary source but it was very much like a sort of hive mind kind of vibe Mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like this is a little bit different the way that marble hornets establishes it um and marble hornets also introduced the idea that slender man could interfere with video and audio recordings which makes sense like they're film students they're filming this it adds to the the difficulty of capturing slender man on film and to really point to slender man and be like yes this is what it is we've been able to capture like concrete evidence it also was the first place where you see the slender symbol which is the circle with the x through it um mm-hmm. which comes up a lot in other uh slender man based art there are also so this was one of the first youtube series there are also other ones called everyman hybrid and tribe 12 um which like share the same mythos but these ones are kind of outside of the mythos that Marble Hornets established. I I watched Marble Hornets when I was like in college. I was super into it. I thought it was the creepiest thing I'd ever seen. But I never watched Everyman Hybrid and Tribe 12. I don't know if either of you have seen those. Melissa, I know that no. you, you hadn't seen Marble Hornets before. 
No, I think I watched for Marble Hornets. I watched a few because they're so short. Some of the episode, like some of the videos, are so short. So I think I watched just a few. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking now. The entire Marble Hornets is nine hours long. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's long. Yeah, I think it's a total of like 92 videos or something. Wow. Um, with like also like supplemental material. So, um, but. I wanted you guys to get a little taste of it because I think it's an important part of the Slenderman mythos or Slender the Slenderverse. So in the Google Drive, I've included a link to episode one. Um, that was that was scary. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's scary about Marble Horns. Sorry, can I just say like. The Slenderman in Marble Hornets is just like so clearly just a dude with like a big sock over his head. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I mean, it was a good video, but it looks like like I can't see that Slenderman without just thinking about Charlie Day in the green suit. <laughs> yeah, it definitely just looks like a morph suit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to undermine what you're trying to do. Well, but I mean, that said, everything beside that, besides that was very freaky and reminded me a lot of Blair Witch and like some of the like ways that like the editing was done and stuff like that. I think these Marble Hornets came out, it says 2009 is when this video was posted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is around the time of the found footage craze like was starting up again after Blair Witch and um you know this is the, also the time where we have paranormal activity too right which yeah. became huge mm-hmm. well that that video that we just watched was like 47 seconds long is that like the average for is that like how they are or like I, I've never watched this series before no not all of them um this, so this video was posted on something awful. So as like kind of a, an addition to this growing mythos that, that they were all contributing to at the time. So this was the first video posted and it came out like 10 days after Victor Surge's first post about Slender Man. Yeah. So then, and then Marble Hornets just grew into um, this like investigation um, like a recorded investigation. Some of them are like a couple minutes long. They're not, I can't remember the longest. Maybe it's like 20 minutes, but. So are we going to have to have a Marble Hornets marathon now? I mean, I'm down <laughs> if uh, if you guys are. Oh, yeah. Um, Sure, I'll watch some of it. I'm not watching nine hours, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I didn't finish it. I didn't finish the series when I first started watching it. So I don't know if they ever find Slender Man. Don't know how it ends. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. So eventually the uh, idea of Slender Man then spread to 4chan's paranormal board. Um, that's as far, as far as I'll go with that. Um, and then five months after the creation of Slender Man, people started calling in to Greg Norrie's Coast to Coast coast to coast am radio show which is a show devoted to paranormal and conspiracy theories and jake and i listened to a couple of these and people were calling in and started describing slender man and george nori was like oh what is this thing like i don't know what this is never heard of it 
so who knows? I mean, it seems like they probably had found it somewhere on the internet and then decided to to call in with their own quote unquote experiences. You can't trust boomers with the internet. <laughs> they start thinking Antifa is a real thing. <laughs> are you talking about um the people who are calling in? Yeah, <laughs> they were and they were saying and they were saying this is no, this is definitely not fake yeah well the first one that i heard was like a young kid and he i feel like definitely saw it on the internet and then like later like three callers later this like i don't know like i don't want i don't want to like dismiss well yeah but there was like this older woman who's like yeah i think i've seen slender man too and i'm like wait i can't tell (laughs) (laughs) like she's like she genuinely believes that she did have an encounter with slender man or if um you know i don't know saw it on the internet somewhere or you know the power of suggestion yeah maybe playing a role here especially like the more you're talking about this like there's so many sources now i could just see like stumbling upon a few and just like starting to see like oh it's here like there's stuff about slender man on all these different websites and there's all these different types of content like written stories videos yeah pictures whatever it may be and maybe start to believe it and now it's on the radio i mean she was definitely on those 4chan uh paranormal boy i think (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh yeah it's just it's interesting how quickly that sort of information information can disperse and that's something that i'll get to a little bit later too um it's very very uh interesting stuff okay so then in 2012 um slender man was adapted into a video game called slender the eight pages um have either of you played this game before no yes oh man melissa what'd you think about it uh i thought it was pretty okay i had a friend who was really into it um and really really liked it when always, and was always asking to play and she's not into scary things like you know me i love terrifying things yeah. and i play a lot of scary games i thought this was it was pretty rudimentary as far as like you're just walking around and then you're trying to find these pages and i just found it so frustrating but i can see how it would be very scary especially if you were younger than the age whatever age i was when i was introduced to it Mm -hmm. but yeah it's kind of scary because you're just the premise is scary in that you're just all you're doing is literally just walking around it's dark outside and you're in the woods you're just trying to find the eight pages and when you do something happens i don't know i never made it that far Oh, yeah, I don't know if I made it that far either. But, like, as you get closer, as you collect more pages, Slender Man starts appearing more and more often. Um, and, like, the screen starts, like, getting more distorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I played it in college, and I was a little creeped out when I was, like, sitting alone in my dorm, uh, in, which was probably haunted and uh <laughs> and just like in the dark playing the game <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> hmm. but then yeah there was also a sequel to that game that i never played called slender the arrival which was released a year later um but the game was very popular it was downloaded like over two million times um, in the first month that it was released so yeah and then also in addition to these games you also have uh independent movies that came out about slender man so you have entity 
You have The Slender Man, which Melissa, I know you have very fond memories of going to see that in the theaters with me. <laughs> um, I heard that movie was so good. I heard that from, uh, from you guys. Uh, <laughs> and by good, I mean really bad. Yeah, it was. Um, it was not my favorite. Um, I would classify it as boring. <laughs> oh, <ooh. laughs> See, this has been your official Cinepunks review of Slenderman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they really built up in the in the the movie. The 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 whole like idea is like interesting because it's like if I remember correctly, it's like oh, it's spreading through the internet. It's kind of like a virus. You know, like, and those movies can be kind of cool. I mean, I've seen movies like that where that scare me. Like, I think Pulse is one of them. Yeah. Um, who knows? Anyways, um, I just felt like they had a great premise and then they just made it a very slow progression from there to the end. And yeah. it just wasn't that scary. Yeah. There could there was a lot of potential there and um didn't quite quite meet it didn't quite use it all yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i enjoy going to see it with you nonetheless <laughs> yeah that uh, part was fun not the what was happening on the screen yeah <laughs> okay so then so slender man has also just really i mean it like i said it really took off and made its presence known clearly on the internet and I have a couple of examples of how people have taken the Slender Man mythos and kind of run with it. But I feel like I only, I really only made it to the surface. <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> bit deeper than that. Uh, but I have a feeling there's so much more. So one example is um, Slender Man DeviantArt. So if you go to DeviantArt and type in Slender Man, you get lots of different cartoon drawings of slender man for example like embracing young girls which is a little uh <laughs> uh it goes into territory that um i don't know if i feel comfortable <laughs> with i also found Wait, one is this the, is some of this the um slender man hentai you were talking about <laughs> No, I was on Reddit and someone asked, is there Slender Man hentai? And then someone just <laughs> replied with Slentai. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that actually exists. I don't. It has to. It, it must. has to. If you can think about it. Um, it has to. Yeah, so you get you get cartoon drawings of Slender Man. You get like little comics of Slender Man. I also found one. Uh, they're like these Slender Man crossovers with other cartoon characters. I put one in the drive for you guys. Do you see it, Melissa? Yeah, I just sighed loudly. <laughs> um, you see the little hearts with the the X's through them. Yeah. Yep. So that's one with. Um, we're looking at a picture of Slenderman kissing Lisa Simpson. But it's like oh. adult Lisa Simpson. Like her hair gets yeah. curly, like that kind of like slightly like wavy, pointy mm-hmm. when she becomes an adult. Yes. Yep. Jake's Which just makes sense because Slenderman likes children. I thought. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So. So wait, is 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 Slenderman a a pedo? Oh, I don't know. Is that what's being implied? Because you mentioned. 
uh, some of the fan art is is Slenderman like a like a like a pedophile icon or something? I I don't know. I that's did, a really good question. It is a good question. I I honestly well, I didn't go into private. Yeah. For this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I think, did not go down that road. I guess I could see how it could be co-opted to to go in that direction because it's basically been the whole Slenderman like mythos and backstory and like there's all this like fan art and stuff you can make fan art about anything and like kind of take it any direction and people have with Slenderman but I feel like I don't know if that's the main point behind him I think it's more if he's going after children he's not he doesn't love them he's like either protecting them or he's going to kill them I don't know if it's there's any like pedophile thing there yeah from who knows maybe i i don't know enough about yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i didn't i didn't honestly i didn't do any research into this i i did see like from the the artwork that i saw or like the things that i read it looked honestly i mean i know that like a lot of like teenagers are really uh interested in slender man so it looked like kind of like fan art or fan fiction where they were seeing themselves in this romantic relationship with Slender Man. Hmm. Yeah. That's um, kind of more, I feel like, what, um, how people interpret it. It's like putting themselves with Slender Man, not like some creep designing art with like children and Slender Man together. I, right. I think it's more what you're describing. Okay, good. Yeah. I like that interpretation better. I was just freaked out for a second. Yeah, it kind of it felt like a lot like um like Twilight fan fiction. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of a lot like I I yeah, that's there's a lot of Slender Man fan fiction too. So in addition to that, there's also Slender Man cosplay. So uh, again, you'll see in the drive um there's this like spandex morph suit of slender man <laughs> my friend has that the one i was telling you about who loved oh, the game oh my stop. god yeah it basically looks like yeah like charlie day's green suit but just slender man version yeah um and then there's also another one that this looks so freaky yeah it's <laughs> the fat one it's, <laughs> it's called slender man chub suit <laughs> and it's an inflatable um inflatable slender man suit uh right on it's like something michael scott would wear yeah it does um yeah so people use this for slender man cosplay for you know being slender man for halloween so then there's also enderman which jake can speak to this way more than i can but enderman is this character i guess on minecraft yeah so enderman (laughs) You're so excited. Uh, Enderman is a particular type of mob in Minecraft that can teleport around and slender walk, kind of like we were talking about. And if you uh, kill Enderman, you can get the Ender Pearl. And if you throw the Ender Pearl, that allows you to teleport places. Wherever the Ender Pearl hits, you teleport there. So here's the deal <laughs> Enderman doesn't actually hurt you unless you look at him in the face. And if you look at him in the face, he'll start attacking you or if you start attacking him. So it's like very nerve wracking to be around inner man. Like, because like, especially if you don't want to fight, 
because you have to be looking at the ground the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's so creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. very creepy. It is. It is a very effective adversary in in Minecraft. Great. Well, thanks for explaining that. I I knew that you could do a better job than I ever could. <laughs> so um, I just have a question. Is like no one killing him, and like it, they're waiting for like the one true Minecrafter who can finally kill Enderman, or do people kill him? He just like respawns. Oh, there's tons of them. He's a, he's a type. Oh. He's a type of of uh, enemy. So like, you gotcha. Know, you can be walking around, and there can be tons of them around you. I gotcha. That's terrifying. If there's like a hundred of them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's again just one instance where. And Slenderman makes its way into uh, pop culture and gaming and such. You also see like other types of DeviantArt, like uh, that that has really kind of taken this truly terrifying urban legend and then somehow like molding it into this lovable, cute, funny character. <laughs> um, so that's part of how Slenderman has developed over time. So you have like deviant art of like a clumsy Slenderman falling over himself because he doesn't have a face. <laughs> or there's a bunch of pa- Slenderman parodies. So one of those is called Trenderman, which is a parody of Slenderman traced back to a Tumblr user who took a photo basically of like a mannequin in a brown pullover sweater a white undershirt and brown pants and posted it with the title Slenderman's Casual Friday. <laughs> and people have just developed this and have created Trenderman as its own thing where he is actually Slenderman's cousin. <laughs> Slenderman has a family now. And then <laughs> there's my personal favorite, Splenderman, which is part of what's called a happy pasta which i had never heard of but it's like basically um like uh a parody version of creepypasta and i put the video in there for you guys because i really want you to watch this video i love it i watched it when i was in college and thought it was like the funniest thing ever (laughs) i just started watching it and i'm so far i'm loving it the fact that it's like starts the same way like man this is real and there's a problem with the tape and we didn't notice till afterwards yes and then it's just like (laughs) something's going wrong wow okay that was really funny i liked when he was just doing like that dance where you like bend your knees back and forth and you're like swishing your arms yeah yeah i'll describe it um for everyone listening so basically it's a video of these two girls named becky and tiffany and they're sitting on a blanket having a picnic it's like very wholesome and then all of a sudden in the back there's this big figure of splendor man and he is he basically looks like slender man but um has a polka dotted suit um (laughs) a big smiley face a top hat and he comes over and he gives them flowers and he dances for them and then at the end he throws glitter at them i highly recommend you watch this video it's just a little sprinkle of joy which we all need right now so <laughs> splendor man apparently is slender man's older nicer brother so again what? part of the slender man family <laughs> so yeah just uh again part of this this creation of uh slender man as a, a figure so then we move into a little bit stranger territory you might say 
there is uh on this podcast yeah (laughs) yes i know it's a surprise but i'm gonna answer the question that everyone has and it's yes there is slender man erotica um (laughs) available on amazon um i wanted to share a little bit about one called an evening with slender man it has very much that like harlequin romance kind of feel to it and wait is that a slender woman no i think it's just i don't know i don't know but can i read the description of this okay (laughs) so an evening with slender man Janice is suffering through a company awards banquet when she ducks out, wanting nothing more than a hot bath and a bed. As she steps outside, the eerie quiet in the air provides an omen. When she steps foot into the parking garage and sees that it's only lit by a flickering light, her heart speeds up. That fear comes to a head when she's cornered by two men who demand her purse. Janice is frozen in fear and almost all over until a man about 12 feet tall with a cold, motionless white mask covering his face intervenes. He wipes the men out and turns to Janice, who is still frozen. Slender Man is so cold, so mysterious, yet when he steps towards Janice, she can't help but feel that all is right with the world. After he rescues her, he ravages her as his proxy of love and turns her boring night into one she'll never forget. <laughs> Aww, proxy of love. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that <laughs> with everything. Oh my god. I just want to read a, just a one more line from, from the excerpt. Everything about him was suddenly sexy. His love... <laughs> <laughs> His long arms, the deep, dark, mysterious edge he walked around with. His mystery was intoxicating, and my body yearned for him. Okay, that's all. That's all I'll say. But this is not. (laughs) This is not where it ends. This is only the beginning. There's so much more. This is the stuff that is on Amazon. So. You Amazon got a Kindle? has some of the most unsexy erotica I think I've ever heard. <laughs> between yeah. this and what's that other guy? Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle. <laughs> yeah. Between this and Chuck Tingle books. I, oh, you know. man. Amazon self-publishing is the jungle. Yeah, it really is. But there are, you can also find, like, fan fiction of this nature on Creepypasta. Sure. Um, I'm not recommending it, but I'm just saying it exists. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so then moving on again, a throwback to episode one. There's an episode of My Little Pony, specifically season four, episode nine, called Pinky Apple Pie, where you can see Slenderman creeping in the background. People have then kind of ran with this again, drawing um, like a hybrid of Slenderman and My Little Pony called Slender Pony or Slendermane. Um, but i have (laughs) i have again a video it's a very short clip it's like a 50 second clip of this the scene where slender man appears in the background right and i feel like we'll put all the links to these videos in the show notes i feel like i don't want to have to make people search for for them if they they want to see so this is yeah number two that little thing no (laughs) how would people even catch that Oh, he slides right behind the tree. That's so quick. Yeah. That's not real. Yeah, it's like a split second where you see Slender Man behind a tree and then he kind of moves back 
further behind it so that you can't see it's yeah it's super quick but of course you know Slenderman's gonna make an appearance in my little pony um and also there are rumors that the animator who slipped Slenderman in there be- got fired because of it i don't know if that's true i heard that was a rumor since uh we're doing a throwback to the first episode that then brings us to the question is Slenderman a tulpa Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So there is a theory. Um, this theory was first mentioned actually on that same Something Awful thread in 2009 when Slenderman first started. There are fears over the unintentional creation of Slenderman due to its popularity. Mm. So there's so much thought being put into Slenderman by so many people that Slenderman could actually kind of be brought into existence as a thought form. Um, which I thought was a nice little tie into the last episode there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Can you remind us what a tulpa is? Yes. A tulpa is a sentient thought form um, that could be created through meditation, rituals, or unintentionally. Well, and the <laughs> thing is, if Slenderman became a tulpa because, inadvertently because so many people were thinking of him, then he would want to inspire fear Mm-hmm. So that people would continue to think of him and continue to sustain his existence. Yes. Whoa. Um, Does that mean Santa is also a tulpa? Santa's, <laughs> Santa's certainly a tulpa. Definitely. Okay. So I guess this this is a nice kind of like segue into um, my last part here. Um, just talking a little bit about like the reason for Slenderman's popularity and a little bit more about like digital folklore. So Media scholar and folklorist Andrew Peck tributes the success of Slenderman to its highly collaborative nature. So because Slenderman, the original poster, is so mysterious, it really easily allowed people to adapt the Slenderman imagery to create their own new stories. Um, It's very much a community activity. There's no real ownership over Slenderman. It's something that kind of belongs to the community itself. And it's very similar to like the passing along of campfire stories or urban legends. And in that, like just the, there's a true power to storytelling here. Like people are just able to take like very basic Slenderman tropes and images and tell their own story, which of course is fictional, but it just adds, it contributes to, to the mythos. One thing that probably helps is how accessible it is. Like it being on the internet, like literally anyone can find him, anyone can contribute and anyone can also um, consume that information that's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so people have access to the different, like, Slenderman images or previous stories. And, I, like, because of its kind of vague nature, are able to just kind of take it and push it in their own direction. So, yeah, I think that's that's totally right. There's another scholar who argues that, you know, Slenderman also demonstrates similarities between like traditional folklore and then kind of like what you said, Melissa, this like open source, this, she says like the ethos of the internet. And those three things are like collectivity. So create the, so Slenderman mythos is created through various people, the variability. So the story changes depending on the teller and then performance. So storytellers narratives like changes to reflect the response of the audience. So again, like it's just kind of really saying like, this is, this is a, a communal effort, <laughs> the creation mm-hmm. of Slenderman. So, I mean, there's a lot more that, you know, we could talk about in terms of just like digital folklore. It's, a, it's obviously its own field. I find it really interesting, but uh, I'm going to have to 
cut it off there. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot out there. I, I encourage people to, if they're interested in learning more, they certainly can. <laughs> so has the popularity of Slenderman waned since like the movie came out? Because I, I didn't read the whole article, but I saw a title of an article saying the Slenderman movie like hits the nail in the coffin of the Slenderman craze oh. or something like that. Yeah, I saw the headline too. Um, I didn't read the article. Um, <laughs> I didn't read it either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just I, curious because it's yeah, been like uh, eleven years since it was created. Yeah, and I saw on uh, like I went on the Slenderman subreddit. I mean, people was, were still posting stuff like days ago, like just a couple hmm. days ago or a couple hours ago. Um, so people are obviously still interested, and they're still contributing just maybe i don't know maybe not to the same extent as before it's hmm. yeah i'm not really sure and one thing like that makes me think about is we have common scary stories that we tell and you just mentioned them like you know how this is kind of like our why can't i think of it urban legend this is kind of like a, a just like a virtual urban legend that just keeps getting added to and like passed down but i'm wondering like we still have ones from like years and years ago i'm wondering how long slenderman's gonna last and with it being on the internet, and you can kind of go back and look at, like, quote-unquote, like, the primary sources of Slenderman, like, the original posts, and if someone was to stumble upon Marble Hornets, like, 20, 30 years from now, like, what like what would they think? I don't know. I can just imagine finding this as a kid, but, like, seeing, like, it's from 30 years ago and being like, what if this was real? Yeah. You, yeah. Should, you should save a Google Doc full of links as a time capsule. Oh man, the passive. I should. Then watch it again in like 2050. (laughs) Great job, Anna Maria. That was super interesting to see to see how that developed over time. I feel like I just hit the tip of the iceberg. Like it's there's so much more, (laughs) so much more. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting. All right, so I am going to take us in an entirely different direction. Um, I'm going to talk about the true crime, what's called the Slenderman stabbing that happened in 2014. Um, The reason I feel like this is relevant to what we just talked about before, which is I know definitely more lighthearted and like talking more about like general things that happen on the internet and more like fictional stuff, but this is true, a true story. Um, And yeah, so the reason I feel like and this it, is like, and it super sucks. Yeah, and and the reason I think it's important is because this is like one tragic story, but it's not. It's so rare, and it's so um, not a representation of like what the internet can do for kids. I think, yeah, I I just I'll get to that more later, but I think you know Anna Marie left us off with like how big of an impact Slenderman's been making on the internet and people's lives, you know, how prevalent Slenderman is, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think this case is an example of kids are spending too much time on the internet. All right. Are you guys ready to jump in? <sighs> I'm ready to jump in. Ready. Okay. So I have a lot of sources. Here we go. How Slenderman Became a Legend, New York Times article by Gabe Cohn, Slenderman Stabbing Wiki page, the Slenderman Wiki page, Slenderman Stabbing Survivors Remarkable Recovery, which is a 2014 ABC News story, Slenderman Stabbing Victim 
news story from ABC from 2019, um, five years after the crime, 2020, a 2020 documentary that came out in October 2019, an NBC article from February 2018, the Mayo Clinic website, and the National Institute of Mental Health website, as well as Brain and Behavior Research Foundation.org, and the 2016 HBO documentary Beware the Slender Man, directed by Irene Taylor Brodsky. And last but not least, another YouTube video by Dr. Todd Grand um, discussing Filet Adieu, which we will get to. Okay, so let me take you back to May 31st, 2014, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. One of you guys said the whole Slenderman thing started in 2009. That's the first post. So this is five years later. So to celebrate her birthday, her 12th birthday, Morgan Geyser went roller skating with two friends, Peyton Lautner, who goes by Bella, with whom she's known since fourth grade, and Anissa Wire, whom she met earlier in the year in sixth grade. So these are three sixth graders who are having a skating birthday party, then having a sleepover at Morgan's house. But unbeknownst to Bella, Morgan and Anissa had been plotting something. So for a few months, Anissa and Morgan had been researching a tall, faceless man who preys on children. The Slender Man, as we learned. When Anissa shows Morgan the creepy pasta wiki page, she dove right in. Both girls were terrified. They were consumed by the folklore. And they fantasized about becoming proxies or servants for the Slender Man creature. Through their research, they discovered that Slenderman's mansion was not far away from their home. It was at Nicolette National Forest, which was just a few hours drive from, from the town that they lived in. To become Slenderman proxies, however, they needed to do something very drastic. They believed that they needed to prove themselves by killing someone. So in December 2013, a plan was born. They were going to kill Bella, a longtime friend of Morgan. Morgan and Anissa decided that at an upcoming birthday party sleepover, they would stab Bella, put her under some covers, and they would run away into the forest to meet up with Slenderman. When the night came, however, they couldn't follow through. Um, Morgan said that she wanted to give Bella another day alive before they had to do what they thought was inevitable. Morgan took a knife from the kitchen and hid it under her jacket as they went out to go on a walk and go to the playground. When Bella wasn't looking, Morgan opened up her jacket to show Anissa that she had the knife on her. Uh, they continued to walk to the park nearby, and they started playing on the playground. They stopped playing and went into the bathroom nearby, and they decided um, that's where they were going to try to kill Bella. So they lured her into the bathroom, and Anissa told Bella to go to sleep, but because she read online, um, and this is her words, that it was easier to kill someone who is asleep or unconscious because they aren't looking at you, and that's what's going to stop you from killing them. And so Bella said that she didn't want to sleep, but she closed her eyes just to kind of I don't know, just do what she was asking her to do. Um, and that's when Anissa hit her in the forehead at an, in an attempt to knock her out, causing her to hit the back of her head against the concrete wall. Um, Morgan handed Anissa the knife and said, I thought you agreed to do this. And Morgan was getting scared and Anissa hugged her to calm her down. So Morgan and Anissa were kind of questioning if this was something they should still do. To calm Morgan down, Anissa was hugging her and then she began to pet her like a cat. So they all left the bathroom and they told Bella that they should play hide and seek in the woods next to the playground. And you're probably wondering why Bella hasn't left at this point since she just got hit in the head by Anissa, but I think Bella was trusting and she was good friends with Morgan and trusted that 
everything would be fine, so she just continued to play with them. Anissa pulled Bella into the woods to hide from Morgan um, while they were playing hide-and-go-seek, and they went deeper and deeper into the woods, waiting for the right time. While Bella hid, Anissa and Morgan passed the knife back and forth, saying that both that they couldn't do it, but they finally settled on a plan where Morgan would do the stabbing when Anissa told her to do it. So they approached Bella, and Morgan said, don't be afraid, I'm only a little kitty cat which I think is pretty creepy. Anissa said now, and then that's when Morgan sat on Bella's legs and whispered in her ear, I'm so sorry, and started stabbing her 19 times. So I know that was pretty intense, but um, Bella survives. They did lie to Bella and they said that they were, they were gonna go get help, but instead that they just left her and they just decided to keep walking and they tried to make it to Nicolette Park to find Slender's mansion. At this point, Bella started crawling away and she made it to a nearby road where she was spotted by a cyclist who called 911. She was able to tell the officer on the scene who attacked her, so they knew that they were looking for Morgan and Anissa. Bella was stabbed in the arms, the legs, the torso. She had wounds in major organs and one stab wound missed a major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter. She spent seven days in the hospital and eventually recovered. A few hours after the stabbing, however, Anissa and Morgan were found walking, and officers stopped them and asked them if they were okay, because I think there was an APB out for the two girls, and they initially said that they couldn't tell them, that they were scared, but they couldn't tell him why they were scared, because he thought, they thought if they told the officer, that he would think that they were crazy. So that's where we get into the investigation. So the two were taken into questioning by detectives, but their parents weren't given access to them during the interrogation which I think is one thing that's kind of wrong with this, this case so far. Their parents weren't allowed to see them during questioning or be present during questioning, um, but they were read their Miranda rights. It's hard to say if they would even know what that necessarily means because they are 12 years old, but they did openly admit to what they did and why they did it. All right, so they were pretty shocked to, you know, hear the story that they were openly admitting to, the, the two detectives um, interviewing the girls. They even found a goodbye memo on Anissa's phone that said, this is my final wish to those who care. Do not grieve my absence, but remember me for who I was. I love and cherish you all and wouldn't do you harm. So it really sounds like they were, they thought that they were going to go somewhere and they weren't going to be able to come home because they would be at Slender Mansion. Right. So initially, they were charged with attempted first-degree murder, and in the state of Wisconsin, they were tried as adults. They were 12 years old, so that means they potentially faced 65 years in prison, and the judge decided to keep it in adult court because he felt like the act was so violent, it was premeditated, we know they were planning it for like six months, Um, and it was also an intentional act, and he also notes how they offered to get Bella help with no intention of actually helping her. It's like that makes zero sense to me why if you were going to distinguish between charging children with a crime and charging adults with a crime, no matter what the crime is, it doesn't make any sense to me at all to charge children with as adults for anything because they're children. Right. Yeah. Right. Which isn't they, to say that which isn't to say that, that there should be no accountability for children, it's just to say you're treating them different for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think um the reason sometimes that they decide to charge people as an adult is because if you charge them as a, um, a minor, they will get out 
by 18 and I think they didn't want that for these girls and that was kind of the one of the reasons behind it but then there should be another way around it because I think it's too harsh to you know potentially hold 65 years in prison over a 12 year old mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and brain development they said brain development was played into the decision making process but I I don't know how true that is because I, I agree with you I don't think they should have been charged as adults yeah anyways in 2017 Anissa pled guilty to being party to attempted second degree homicide and she was found not guilty by mental disease or defect to which she received 25 years to life at a mental institution and in February 2018 at 15 years old Morgan pled guilty to attempted murder and was found not guilty by mental disease or defect and that's in quotes because that's the term used the legal term used to describe what you know they were classified as and she was sentenced to 40 years in a mental institution after six months she's eligible to be considered for release um however you know they have those indefinite sentences so they can continue to be monitored and rehabilitated because it sounds like they were found like incompetent like not mentally sound able to you know make competent choices and they were both um, required to have first three years of lockdown confinement so a minimum of 15 minimum of three years and then kind of like check-ins every six months or so from there on until they're deemed safe to to leave the hospital but that comes with uh, periodic reevaluations, further treatment and just like intensive rehabilitation efforts going forward all right so this is obviously an incredibly tragic case, and I have to say, like, there was many of those videos that I read to you, the ones specifically from Bella or Peyton, the ones from her perspective were just, like, so disheartening, and from her parents' perspective, like, she would have died. Like, she was so close to being murdered, and it was incredibly traumatic, not just, like, emotionally and you know, like, for herself and psychologically, but also physically, she was nearly stabbed in the heart. Like, it's it's hard to, you know, move on from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. I was like, I, I didn't know. So before I watched the documentary that I think we all watched it. Yes. Um, that detailed this case. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I thought for sure that she was dead. You know? Yeah. When they were describing the stabbings, but uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing that she survived. You know? It's incredible. I mean, she was stabbed 19 times. Yeah. Um, and I, I think from watching her, like she's, she's learned a lot from this. Not that there's anything she could have done to prevent it. And it's in no way her fault. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, she's grown. She's shown like extreme resiliency and, and bravery and strength. And she even expressed like forgiveness and understanding that they were not acting in mentally sound manner. And I know like maybe that's like an intellectual thing and and maybe she's just, you know, I feel like there's many steps to like forgiveness, but like seems like she was kind of understanding what was going on with them and it kind of it helped inform her moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Bella's not even the only, the victim here, as you saw in the movie, which mo- mostly focused on the families of Anissa and Morgan, those families are, like, they were, like, falling apart. They were, 
barely hanging on. They, the parents could hardly visit their kids. And for a while, they couldn't even visit them, like, and hug them. They were just through a glass. Yeah. So I just can't imagine the shock that goes into that, thinking they'll come home any day. And then knowing it will be like, you know, six months, a year passes. And, mm-hmm. and, and one thing that like really was sad to hear is like both Anise's parents in separate little interviews, they talked about the performance that they have to put on for their family um, to keep everything together. And also the, you know, not just the physical and emotional and mental exhaustion of like balancing the life of, of the kids that they have outside of prison but like every time they go and visit Anissa, it's like trying to bring that positive attitude and like that performance, which I just sounded so sad because they're trying to like lift her up and out of the mindset of being in prison. But it's still so sad to think about because she was only like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to mention before moving on is like how rare this crime is. For one, I mean, obviously the devotion to a fictional character like Slenderman and like the nature behind why they committed the crime or what they believe is the reason that they committed the crime but the age and gender of the offenders and the fact that they admitted they they had intent to kill is extraordinarily rare so in 2012 there were 8,514 people who are arrested for non-negligent homicide or murder so it's like purposeful purposefully killing someone not like accidentally like a car accident or something of these people only one was a woman under the age of 13. And in um, looking at information from 1976 to 2013, girls under the age of 13 represented only 4% of all female juveniles arrested for murder and non-negligent homicide in the United States. So it's rare for one girl to do this, but the fact that two girls conspired to commit a crime and attempted to murder someone, that's so exceedingly rare. And I think that's one of the reasons in addition to like the Slenderman part, but that's one of the reasons why this is such a huge case nationally. And like, it's so well known and yeah. And I think that's also kind of why it gets added to the folklore, which we'll talk a little bit about. Well, and I also think that it's like, again, I think you said you were gonna cover this, but I think just like the sort of shock, like how shocking it is. Yeah. Like makes people want to search for an easy explanation too. Yeah. And so you see a lot of, there was a lot of like, you know, backlash against like, you know, are we exposing our kids to the internet in ways that are like detrimental to them uh, and that will cause more children to do this and people getting paranoid about, or, or like, you know, blaming Slenderman lore or like, or like only focusing on the schizophrenia aspect or only focus, yeah. you know, and, and say, oh, that's the reason. Yeah. And when people feel threatened or feel confused, they look for like a single thing to blame it on, you know? Yeah. And I think um, that's a really good point. And it perfectly segues into what I was just about to talk about, considering the impact of the internet on children. And I think this kind of was one of the many things that kind of rose in the debate. And I I don't know about you guys, you guys are horror fans, but I feel like this is something I hear all the time. Like horror movies are making people more violent. Video games are making people more violent. And now it's the internet in general, just has too much violent stuff on it. When I don't know if that's even really true. And the fact that this particular case is so rare 
means it's not an example that we can pull from and say, see, the internet's making people more violent because it's like one in so many million who have read the Slenderman things and have done nothing with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I just was reading on the Wikipedia page for, for this. There was a retired agent of the FBI, John Eaglehoff, um, who argued that the internet had become a, quote, black hole with the ability to expose children to more sinister world. He suggested the best way to avoid future incidents was for parents to keep track of their children's web habits and educate them about the differences between right and wrong, which I think, yes, maybe parents should be more involved with that, but I don't know if that necessarily would relate to this case or that that would solve everything. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's so many factors at play and gravitating toward like a creepy set of stories is just one of them, you know? And some of the like issues that were at play would have found a different way to manifest if if internet access had been denied or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like you can say Slenderman, Slenderman literature caused this. And there was right. a headline that I saw that was like diving into Slenderman, the 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 story that caused a girl to like stab her friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you just it, that's like a very irresponsible way to talk about it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's yeah. not a cause and effect. Like it's a it's the coalescence of like a bunch of different factors yeah it's way more nuanced than just being able to say like things are black and white it was this it wasn't this and like situations like this are just so much more complex than that yeah and i think and i have another um professor well this one is actually professor the other guy was fbi agent um shira chess an assistant professor of mass media arts at the university of georgia argues against what that FBI agent said and says creepypasta is no more dangerous than stories about vampires and zombies and she argues that creepypastas are actually beneficial because they give the opportunity for people to become better writers and I would also argue that they just are an outlet for creativity and access to a community because I mean I like spooky stuff I feel like I found and I already brought up no sleep the reddit page but I feel like I found a little community of people who like not that I ever talked to them, but it felt like a, a cool place to go to get that type of content and read some creative things there. And and for those people who wrote that stuff, I'm sure that they felt more, you know, connected in that way too. Yeah. And it's like, it's very similar to kind of what I was talking about with the digital folklore and the reason for Slenderman's popularity. It like gives, it gives people, like I think especially young people, like yeah, a, a, an outlet for creativity and also a community where they can like participate with mm-hmm. others who are interested in the same thing and provides like connection. Yeah. Um, and even like, like you said, like even if you're not necessarily interacting with people, like still knowing that there are other people out there who are interested in similar things to you. I mean, it can make it can make things a little bit less lonely. I think, especially if you're like kind of going through that awkward time as a a preteen or a teenager and you're just starting to discover like creepy things. I mean, I know that like as an awkward teenager loving horror and like as one of the only people I knew who liked horror, like it was, it was nice to like even just watch like AMC's like 
countdown for scariest movie moments and like watching other horror fans talk about these movies yeah Um, it's like oh there are other people out there in the world who are also into these things that like society at large thinks are like kind of weird or whatever yeah Um, but yeah so that sorry that was a little bit of a rant but no no I agree and you brought me back to I remember in high school I did a speech about the true story or the potentially true story behind Sweeney Todd and just being met with some like strange looks and I was like why did I choose this halfway through <laughs> you know explaining like the whole process of butchering and and, <laughs> and processing humans for consumption um but yeah I I agree it's nice to have a community and people that like understand you and can relate to you and I think that's one of the reasons and I'm gonna go into this in just a second but I think that's one of the reasons why Anissa and Morgan were so drawn in by Slenderman is because of the way it helped them feel connected to something. Um, and that's one of the many factors. So let me just jump right into that section now. So not necessarily like why did they do it, but I think I kind of want to just talk about the different contributing factors involved. These are in no way just blanket explanations. Like we said, it's like multifaceted and there could be any number of things that maybe I don't even list here. These are just things that came up during the documentary, during research and just kind of general things that I thought of and thought could contribute. So obviously, Anissa and Morgan, as we found out with the the results of their trials, were found to have uh, mental illnesses that contributed to them not being able to make competent decisions for themselves, which led to the crime in some way. They were found to be um, not accountable for their actions because they were of sound mind. So... Anissa was diagnosed with schizotypal disorder, which is which means she has a difficulty distinguishing between what is real and not real. And Morgan was diagnosed with schizophrenia, unspecified version, and oppositional defiant disorder. So one thing that came up, and you guys saw the documentary and anyone else who's seen the documentary or heard Morgan's mom speak, she mentions that Morgan recalls having hallucinations as early as three years old and she would describe them as like ghosts at night or you know even little like things that were kind of spooky or whatever but you know the parents kind of dismissed them because what kid doesn't you know think there's a monster under their bed or think they see something at night or it's just kind of in general scared so like I in no way blame the mom for not identifying that because and we'll get to it in a second, but like, how would you know that that's schizophrenia? You know what I mean? Especially for a three-year-old. But yeah. uh, one contributing factor, because um, schizophrenia is is typically, you know, part of it is genetics. Morgan's father um, has schizophrenia as well. And I think that really contributed to like her expression and knowing that there was the history there. And Morgan believed that if she didn't listen to the Slenderman, she genuinely believed this, that she wouldn't be in trouble, that she would be in trouble and her family might get hurt. So that's some of that delusional thinking. So what is schizophrenia for those who aren't familiar? I'm just going to break it down really quick. So it's a psychotic illness, meaning that you lose track of reality through hallucinations. Those are like sensations in your bo- that your body experiences. So visions, voices, sensory perception distortions. So that's seeing or hearing things that don't exist. In addition, people with schizophrenia tend to experience delusions. So those are beliefs that are untrue and disconnected from reality. You may also experience disorganized thinking. That's, you know, disorganized communication, difficulty 
communicating with others or creating those fluid, complete thoughts that can be verbalized and shared. Disorganized motor behavior, which means a reduced or lack of ability to function normally. So not every person experiences schizophrenia the same way or with all these symptoms, um, and the expression of symptoms over time can change for each individual. Symptoms can impair daily functioning and functioning and be disabling. And one article noted that symptoms can be terrifying to those afflicted and can make them unresponsive, agitated, or withdrawn. So they can be extremely debilitating for some people. And schizophrenia can be quite serious. And often people who are diagnosed with it require lifelong treatment. And like I was saying before, how would her parents really know? I mean, obviously, Morgan's father had schizophrenia, so potentially, you know, one of their kids could have it, but it's incredibly difficult to recognize it in teenagers because some of the early symptoms in teens are common for typical development for teenagers, such as, you know, withdrawing from friends or family, drop in school performance, trouble sleeping, irritability, depressed mood, lack of motivation, describes every teenager, but also, you know, those things also point out mental illness. That's why it's sometimes more difficult to diagnose specifically schizophrenia, but even some other mental illnesses. Compared to adults, teens are less likely to have delusions and more likely to have hallucinations, which we know Morgan experienced. Um, so risk factors, like I mentioned before, genetics, as well as environment and brain structure and function contribute to the likelihood of someone being at greater risk of having schizophrenia. And I just want to point out too, the intense stigma associated with it and the misunderstandings around schizophrenia, especially with this case, because I feel like, Jake, you were mentioning this a little bit, but I feel like there's people who want to blame it on like, they were crazy, they had schizophrenia, but people with schizophrenia are typically not a danger to other people. They're more likely to be a danger to themselves. It's one of those tropes that gets like played with all the time in in fiction and horror and Hollywood and stuff that like, you know, the psychotic killer is like schizophrenic and that is schizophrenic. And that's what like, that's like the factor that that is decisive in like their vicious behavior or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like in real life, though, that's not how it works. Right. And so yeah. like people who you know, are diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia get sort of like unfairly stereotyped and stigmatized because of portrayals of violent psychosis in Hollywood. And then also like, you know, people really driving home these like really exceptional cases and like painting it like, oh, they were schizophrenic. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, that's reinforcing some like really harmful stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like what you were saying, you know, most people with schizophrenia are not dangerous or violent. I think there's also a portrayal that they're usually like homeless. They, they just live out in the street and they, or they live in like the hospital permanently. And that's not true either. Most people with schizophrenia live either with their family, they might live in a group home or they can even live on their own. Like there's varying levels of, dependence or independence that they can have just depends on their the level of functioning. It can be treated with medication, though it is a chronic disorder and people typically live with it for their entire life. There are definitely treatments that work and treatments that really help people. So we shouldn't be afraid of schizophrenics at all because, you know, they're, they're not dangerous. 
Sorry, sorry. We shouldn't be afraid of people with schizophrenia. You're probably wondering why I mostly focused on Morgan for the, you know, psychiatric mental illness part of this. And I am not a doctor and I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist and nor have I ever met any of these people or, you know, have the right to, to diagnose them. I want to bring up the term philea do, which is shared psychotic disorder, which I find incredibly interesting how it works. And I just thought that was kind of relevant here, especially understanding the dynamic between Morgan and Anissa and maybe why the symptoms are much more extreme in Morgan and then, then, that, then in Anissa. Okay, so philea du, or shared psychotic disorder, is a disorder where basically two people feed off of each other and by association with each other, they create this really tight-knit relationship. And if one person is mentally ill, then that's, there's two types. But the type I'm referring to, Follet imposé, if I'm pronouncing the French right, is where a dominant person or a primary person initially forms a delusional belief or a psychotic episode and imposes it, imposes it on another person or persons, the secondary, based on belief that the secondary person may not have become deluded if left to their own devices. And I'm not saying I know specifically the how um, Anissa's mental health was before or whether this is actually relevant, um, but I just thought it was interesting because based on what I've heard and read through my research, it definitely sounded like Morgan was much more ill than Anissa and maybe an they often described Anissa as a follower in personality. So it could be that the relationship became so tight knit and they were like such good friends and Anissa was such a follower and Morgan was kind of going off, you know, with her delusions and having maybe a break from reality that Anissa kind of started to participate in and believe herself. What do you guys think about that? I mean, that seems obviously true. <laughs> If they, okay. like, based on based on the the interview like the interrogation clips that they had i mean both both girls were convinced of the reality of what was happening mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i feel like even yeah in those clips too it's like it's not like they were trying to even place the blame on each other like the other person you know mm -hmm. it was like they were both very much immersed in that this this reality that they had created and uh yeah so that i mean that that makes sense to me cool i didn't want to be jumping off <laughs> into the deep end but i did watch a cool youtube video from like a psychologist or psychiatrist that like explained why it could be true and i just think that diagnosis is quite interesting in the way that relationships can be so tight-knit that you can impose they call it imposing psychosis on someone else because you're just such you're in so isolated from others like it sounds like they were isolated from their peers they experienced bullying and isolation and hostility from their peers they never really fit in with other people so they really only had each other which i think increased this you know like-mindedness between the two mm -hmm. and um Going into other completely separate potential contributing factors, both were imaginative and extremely creative. They like scary stories. They like make-believe. They often enjoyed, you know, just being creative and tapping into their imagination for fun. 
I think being super interested in Slenderman was a form of escapism for them because like we talked about, like, and I know the story differs for Slenderman depending, but um, Slenderman is sometimes thought of as like access to rescue or escape or disconnect from what's going on. Like he's rescuing children who are unhappy or, you know, being bullied or whatever it may be. So sometimes he's helping kids. I, yeah, when I was doing some of my research and looking at different adaptations of Slenderman, I saw that like there were some some creators that like formed the story about Slenderman like was bullied or something or like, Mm -hmm. or he represents um, like you said, like a protector or a figure who's able to save them from maybe the the bullying that they had experienced themselves. Um, So there's that kind of connection too of trying to find someone or something who understands. Yeah. I guess like understands that perspective of someone who's, who's bullied or doesn't feel like they fit in and, and finding that kind of comfort in it. So yeah, it's um, interesting that that that's kind of a, a path that Slenderman's taken. Yeah. And if you're unhappy with your life, um, and, or you don't fit in, um, there's a place you can go. And if Slenderman can eat someone you can relate to, or if he's going to rescue you, whatever it may be. And all you have to do is believe in him. And, and the documentary talked about the power of believing, um, and just being able to control your life and control the situation by believing that Slenderman can help you. And I think having that control over the fear and suffering that you're experiencing or maybe even like the bullying or the isolation they're experiencing from their peers, like that feeling of power that you get from belonging to something, or maybe even believing in something that you think other people don't, aren't even like, not smart enough, but like, they don't even know how awesome this thing is, but you have the power of like, you know that it exists and you believe in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I know that, um, that same professor that you had mentioned, Shira Chess, mm-hmm. um, who wrote, I can't remember the name of the book right now, but I was just looking through different quotes and stuff from that, her book on Slenderman, like the development of Slenderman, which seems very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she talks about how when we create these stories that a lot of them take on certain like significance and importance because they become metaphors for other issues that affect our lives both on like a cultural and a personal level. And she describes Slender Man as a metaphor for helplessness, power differentials, and anonymous forces, which sounds very similar to like what you were saying about how like either knowledge of Slender Man or a connection to Slender Man kind of empowers believers. Yeah. <laughs> um, or people who are interested in Slender Man and, and see, see him as like a protector or a force that, that can help them escape from their their everyday life and and struggles so yeah it's interesting how that works and i think in storytelling in general yeah i thought that was so cool and i just think too like there's benefits to believing something and they talked about this in the documentary a little bit but you know these two girls they you know were big believers it sounded like i mean i think anise's mom talked about like she still believed maybe it was Morgan's mom you know she still Morgan still believed in Santa up until she was like 10 years old she just really you know like she just was more into believing things like that was just part of a personality trait of hers Mm -hmm. and there's benefits to that too because you know you're belonging to something when you believe in it and you know belonging to the community of other people that also believe 
as well as like having a connection with you know whatever it may be you know Slenderman, which I think is something that a lot of people want that connection to something mm-hmm. yeah for sure cool and I think one other reason I think I kind of hit all my points here except I just wanted to mention like the nature of Slenderman and the virtual folklore I think plays another pretty big role in it because like we were talking about some of those videos and pictures were designed to look real and if someone is having difficulty under you know telling the difference between reality and fiction I could see why those videos could be confusing especially if you already believe in Slenderman Um, so I just think the nature of virtual folklore could have contributed to um, how easy it is for people to not just Anissa and Morgan, but just like in general for people to believe in it because it's easy to just get immersed and it's hard to disprove. And just in general, you know, children may not have the tools to distinguish fact fact and fiction in general. Um, And I know at my school, one of the schools I've worked at in the past, they, I remember them teaching about like, because we never, I never actually had to learn this until maybe like college or high school, but like elementary kids are now learning like when you see something on the internet how can you tell that it's true or not because there's so much out there you know not everyone has the tools to distinguish what's real and what's not real especially now with those deep fakes i don't know if you've seen those weird deep fake videos but oh yeah that's interesting wow so they're actually teaching teaching that to kids in elementary school like how to differentiate between fact and fiction on the internet yeah um yeah, in like a technology class, they were teaching about like, you know, look at the source, who posted it, like where are these, pic- you know, like this whole thing. And I thought that was really interesting. And that's like a skill that I think most adults, you know, could probably practice too. Yeah, we use the internet as well. We never learn those skills in school. <laughs> yeah. One thing that weirded me out, which is kind of like derailing, but uh, one thing that weirded me out was just how Anissa and Morgan became part of the Slenderman lore and I thought that was not very tasteful. Yeah, I was yeah. just about to say that seems an extremely bad taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was as you were talking I looked up I wanted to see so I was thinking if I was Eric Eric Nudson the creator of Slenderman I would feel really conflicted about this story about this news, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was looking to see if he released a statement or anything and his entire statement is was at the time i am deeply saddened by the tragedy in wisconsin and my heart goes out to the families and those affected by this terrible act and that's it and he his publicist wrote that he would be giving no media interviews on the topic so i don't know i just i guess that response makes sense because like what can you what can you say because like at that point you don't own the the character i mean mm-hmm. you're the creator you have some kind of like important place in it but like you don't you can't yeah like this is such a like i was saying like it's a there's like communal ownership over slender man right. right yeah and it, that's and so it, interesting to think about that i mean sometimes when people like commit crimes saying it's because of like i don't know the joker or they saw thought judy Fo- jody foster was telling them to do it like 
it's about something specific or a specific person, but he doesn't even own it anymore. So what's he going to do? Yeah. But I was just thinking, you know, like, you know, even though it's such a rare type of case, like you would still feel kind of implicated in it somehow Mm -hmm. and feel, you know, divided about it. Yeah. And one thing I, one thing I was reading or maybe it was a youtube video the the doctor he was talking about like he's not even sure and i kind of agree with him i don't know if there's anything that could have been done to prevent this like i don't know what really could have been done because every there's millions of people who have access to the internet that don't do anything like this she's you know they're pretty young they wouldn't have been likely diagnosed with anything at that age yet because they weren't really showing signs to the extent you know what i'm saying so yeah i think it's this is just a really tough case just a very sad story bummer bummer well on a good note i mean they're getting treatment that they need obviously anisa and morgan and and bella is still alive and you know as of 2019 she was doing a lot of interviews and she looked healthy and happy and was able to reflect on this very thoughtful manner Well, that was Slender Man. And you remember how we said, hopefully if we all do the same uh, topic, it'll be a much shorter episode. It's not true. It's not true not at true. all. We, we lied to you. possibly unsafe this podcast is hosted by the cinepunks podcasting network you should check out their website cinepunks.com um and right yep yep with a with a it's a c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x because it's extreme yes cinepunks.com and they have lots of other podcasts there and some awesome articles you can read i think some of them are written by Anne marie Yeah, and uh, you can find us on Instagram at Weird Obscure Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Weird Obscure Pod. And also, if you have any weird stories of your own, any ghost sightings, any Bigfoot sightings, any alien encounters, please, please, please send them to us at weirdobscurepodcast at gmail.com. We really want to hear them and we really, really want to read them on an episode of the podcast. So please send those over. Uh, Also, if you like this show, uh, one of the best things you can do to help out besides sharing it and sending in your own stories is go over to the iTunes, leave a rating and leave a review. Woo. Yes. All right. I just gotta say, I feel Slender Man in this chilies tonight. <laughs> <laughs>